It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. EP185 is now in session. We appreciate your attention for, well, probably the next hour or so right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Huge program lined up as per usual, and uh, we'll look forward to a couple of great conversations coming up. Some Stampede Stallions, some Lax Class Locks, and who knows what else, as it's Jake Elliott. And it's Tino Farah with you here for EP 185. As Brad got off on a bender, I think, up in Squamish on a stag or something and just was a little too... Well, he put the week off. Let's just say that. So Tino's stepping up and stepping in a little earlier than uh, first expected. Welcome to the podcast, Tino. How's it going? Good, man. I guess uh, the end of the last one that I was on when I said suck it to Brad, yeah. I guess he took it a little seriously. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, Brad's still back. He's got Kings of <laughs> Queens, uh, or the King of Queens Park. Uh, he he did a little work this week. He's just a little hurt. Just a little hurt. That's all. Of course. Of course it happens. Yeah. How was your weekend? Did you go to Squamish and get banged up or what? No, I uh, spent the weekend uh, out in White Rock, went down to the pier, Lovely. got a little sunburnt, first one of the season. So um, I guess uh, I'm a little banged up in that sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're uh, hanging out, just getting uh, getting ready for lacrosse at the end of the weekend. How, how was your weekend? Yeah, I, did I go out to White Rock this week? I made a little trip out to, to, to Wasson this weekend for, for practice. But uh, girlfriend lives in White Rock, so I've been out there plenty of times. And I've never, I can't remember the last time I just went to the beach in White Rock and hung out, though. What'd you do? Like the whole fish and chips thing? And No, we like, they, were, they had a farmer's market there. Oh. Uh, so we went up there with some friends. <laughs> farmer's uh, market. Tino, you're talking like you're like 45 years old. <laughs> Sometimes my body makes me feel like I'm 45 Seriously. years old. <laughs> yeah, no, and then we just ended up uh, going down to the pier. I uh, got some gelato. Some gelato. Um, okay, then, yeah, so you to... went a little touristy. What about senior C action? Have you got any games under your belt lately? So we had uh, last weekend off for the long weekend. Right. Uh, so that's classic God. senior C too, right? Yeah, of course, because they know nobody's going to show up. That's right. Uh, we got a game this coming up weekend against the Queensboro River Rats. Sounds uh, dangerous. Yeah. So uh, it's actually good that we had like two weeks off because – yeah, like Brad said before, it's a very violent league. I, I've, I've been playing in it for, like, years now. But, yeah, your body sometimes needs two weeks to recover after one of those games. And you're out in Maple Ridge. Is that right? I live in Surrey now, but okay. I'm a Maple Ridge kid, so I play okay. for the Ridge. Well, team, yeah. maybe I'll bring this up because I've had a couple of people on Twitter. Well, more than a couple. And and they're tagging me on, on these tweets. And, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, and, I, you know, you being a Maple Ridge guy. Listen. I'm on record here for saying that I I truly believe that the Burrards organization and the area of Maple Ridge, Pitt Meadows, deserves a junior A team. Like, I think that is long overdue for that group. Yeah. I guess, I, my, I guess my issue is, you know, I think it's been five years since they put in an application, and I think that application five years ago was not particularly well-delivered or well-received, I might say. And I just find this whole 
kind of bitching and whining and complaining and clamoring about how much that city deserves a junior A team, it's just getting a little tired. Like, yeah, we get it. You want the team there. Somebody or a group of people need to step up and go through the process properly and apply for a team. You may get accepted, you may get rejected, but sitting there just going, we want a team, we deserve a team, you're accomplishing nothing. Well, maybe you're not, because I'm sitting here talking about it right now, and it's tough, I get it. There is a a ton of Barrett's players sprinkled throughout the BC Junior A Lacrosse League on multiple teams, and some teams would be probably in some trouble without those players. Which leads me down the path that maybe expansion isn't the way to go. And maybe it's relocation that needs to happen here with one of the existing junior teams as it is. Which makes it tough, right? Because there's a lot of history and all the rest of it involved. But somehow, some way, you know the other thing I will say is that getting a new barn out there in Maple Ridge would go a long way to wanting people to get a team out there. I know the senior A team plays out there, but it's, you know, Tino, you've been in Cam Neely Arena. They need a facelift there, out there in the ridge too. Man, that arena hasn't changed since I was a child, I feel like. it's It's been the exact same. Well, and neither like, is Queens Park, really. Well, maybe some new seats, but still, <laughs> you know, like it, low ceiling, okay, no stands. You, like it's, you should go, go sit. As like a uh, just someone watching a game in in the stands of Queens Park Arena, and then go and sit in the bleachers of of Cam Neely, and the different the Cam Neely Arena, the backrest for your seat covers like not even the small of your back. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> it's so outdated. You're bang on every time that they. It's like instead of doing renovations, they just paint the face-off circles or the crease a different color, and they'll call it a day. But obviously, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't necessarily know about, and there's tons of funding that needs to go into it. But yeah, I agree. A new arena would go a like such a long way. But the rumor that I heard when I was back playing junior was that they were trying to go the route of relocation. And uh, I'm not sure which team they were trying to relocate, but well, just... I think Poco was was definitely a candidate, and they were in the market for a new arena too. Now they have one, and I think the other might have been Burnaby, and it's not nothing to do with the arena and Burnaby. Obviously, Copeland's beautiful, wooden floor, all the rest of it, and and like like I said, a lot of history there in Burnaby. But I think the issue now in Burnaby is that there's just the registration numbers are just not there. And quite frankly, it's because people are having a hard time raising a young family in Burnaby at the price of real estate. So, i.e., people are moving out to the Valley, Maple Ridge, and Mission, and what have you, because it's cheaper to live. And that's where the majority of the lacrosse population is is migrating to. Yeah, and I would just say, like, I while I agree with you that, like, just complaining and shouting about it isn't going to get anything to happen, I, I think that with the way social media is now today, I think I would imagine the way that they're looking at it is if we, if we get it out on social media enough, then enough people will hear about it. And maybe that can help get us some momentum in terms of a junior A team. But when you look at the way that um, like when intermediate was still a thing, the way their intermediate A team was run 
was like a junior A club. And even their junior B tier one team is run maybe not 100% to the level of a junior A club, but it's, it's pretty up there in terms of the way that things are run. And, and obviously their senior A as well is, is run really well. I, I think they have the means to be able to support a team. I don't think that's in any question. It's just, oh, I agree with you. Like someone just has to step up and get it done properly and, and go for it. Yeah. And, and like I said, that might not even get it done because I think, and, and I could be speaking out of school here and not really know exactly what I'm saying, but I'm going to try and say it anyways, is that the application window, I think only comes around every couple of years for one. And then you have to get the, what is it? Eight existing teams to agree on this. And I think that's where the issue lies with some of these member clubs already is that they're looking at the history of the BC junior lacrosse league and Minto cups. And what has it been, Tino 2018, 2016, 2010, before that point being four or five championships in BC. So not good enough as far as BC is concerned. And I think that they think adding another team is going to hurt those chances. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, it's hard to argue with it, but if I, if I'm, am going to argue against it, I would just say, is that growing the the game? Is that growing the game? Is it growing the game? But also like four Minto cups in that time span, like who's to say that I like, how do you know if another team wouldn't have changed that? Like how, obviously it's not going to be the the team that wins one Tino. Yeah. Who knows? Like there, there's no, there's no way to tell at this point, but if, if the problem is four in this, amount of time is is being called not enough then something has to change if if the goal is to bring a minto back here to bc and i think that that change has begun with the elimination of intermediate lacrosse for one and yeah. a five-year junior program that co-aligns with ontario and what they're doing back there so a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts i just like i said i guess the the, the twitter got me talking about it here so mission accomplished but (laughs) you got to do things and go through the proper channels and do things the right way if you want to give yourself a chance and just yelling at the top of your lungs on twitter i'm not sure that's the greatest approach is is what i'm saying yeah i'm with you all right uh what else we got probably let the peoples know who's on the big program this week here tino and we doubled down on danes Dane Smith and Dane Dobie will join us here on the podcast. Uh, quarter two, quarter three. Dane Smith in two, Dobie in three. We'll look forward to that. Like I said, lax glass locks. I think Evan might have screwed up our parlay again <laughs> last week. I know mine came through with flying colors, but I think it was Evan that jacked it all up. But we're going to invite him back against my better judgment and and take another (laughs) run at this. I know we only got one game, but we'll kind of explain all that uh, coming up in quarter four for lax class locks and uh, stampede stallions coming up of course as well. But we got to talk about these two playoff games that just went down over the weekend as we release a day late here, may long weekend things happen, but what a couple of lacrosse games here, Tino both on Saturday night and both just, high-caliber, high-entertainment lacrosse games. Uh, let's start in the Hammer. 
as Buffalo made the trip to Hamilton to take on the Toronto Rock. And after game one's 18-17 scoring fest, you just knew that was not going to happen again. And Vino and Rosie came out to play in this one. But Buffalo doing just enough to hang on once again in the fourth quarter in the dying seconds. Toronto made a big push here in the fourth quarter, but just couldn't quite get there. Buffalo off to the finals with a 10-9 victory over Toronto. Your thoughts? I just, I'm so glad that this, these two teams gave us another one goal game that was just nonstop back and forth. And actually, to be completely honest, there was a point in the fourth quarter. uh, It was Josh Burns' last goal of the game that that made it nine to five. And it was kind of late in the fourth. And at that point, I was watching my computer and I, I said out loud, Ah, like it, it's over. That's the backbreaker. Were and you, I got up to get myself a were glass you, of water. Were you alone when you said that? I was. Yeah. I and talked you, to myself you, a little bit. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's all, I mean, like maybe I should give myself some credit then for Buffalo winning or for, uh, for Toronto making a comeback in that game. Because as soon as I said that, it seems like uh, Toronto started to mount their comeback and it's kind of, I don't know if it's ironic or, or what, but it, a thought that popped in my head was it's kind of funny how that Halifax goal in the, in the one game series between Toronto and Halifax, it, there was that last second goal that got disallowed yeah. when they, they had to go review it and look at the clock and it was out of time. Um, and that's, that helped Toronto get to this point. And then it comes to this game oh, and man. Toronto thinks they tied it. And again, like the clock on the TSN feed, like showed there was some time, but then when they go to review like the official game clock, it's it's obviously not in sync a little bit, but yeah, people just, need to understand that too, right, Tina? What you see on your screen is just not completely in sync with what you see or what they see on the official clock. It's just you can't sync the two up simultaneously when you're broadcasting a game like that. It's all it's impossible to do. Yeah, and like it's it's so like I get it from a fan's perspective. That's that's super frustrating to you're looking at one thing and Hey, there's time on the clock. They just tied the game. And then after they go to review that, Oh, there's this other clock that I didn't know about. And, and so oh, on, I so shouldn't on, so. say it's impossible Tino, because there are like big time, big money broadcasts that make <laughs> it possible. I guess right now here in our league, it's not quite there yet. Yeah, That's but either way, it is like, possible. either way, both teams just put everything on the line. Both goalies stepped up like crazy. Like you, once again, it's another weekend where I'm left thinking, like, I can't ask for anything more from a playoff game. Honestly, like, if you were just a casual sports fan and flipped that thing on on a, on a Saturday afternoon, not really knowing what you're getting yourself into, like, tell me you're not hooked on the NLL or, or b- instantly become a Bandits or a Rock fan after watching that. Like, it, it, it gave you everything that you could ask for out of a game. Yeah. And like to, to that point as well, imagine being a sports fan, like casual sports fan at a bar or whatever, and watching that face off between Adler and Erlen that just seemed to go on forever. <laughs> the torque uh, on the stick. It'd be like unbelievable. Like what's going on here? guys? That was incredible. Yeah. Well, I was listening to the bird gang there at the back of the bird boys. And they were talking about how, well, Polly was saying like he was in the fire hall and the Leafs playoff game was going on. So they flipped over to lacrosse game in between period breaks. And then then Paul was like, oh, you want to put the Leafs game back on? They're like, no, we want to watch this. 
<laughs> what is this? We want to watch this sort of thing, right? So I imagine that like that's that's the power of linear TV is is getting these guys that are huge sports fans, but they just need a little taste of playoff NLL action, and all of a sudden, look out! Yep. And and what a time for them! I my hope is that they see this playoff action, and then when this is all said and done by next season, by next fall and next winter, they're like, okay, you guys said this starts up in the fall and winter. Like, where can I watch it? And and suddenly buy tickets. Exactly. So, so tough one there for the rock and, and Jamie Dowick, who I should and, and need to mention came through man of his word. I never had a doubt. (laughs) Chugger texted me the picture of the pizza pie. Waiting in the dressing room for the coaching staff uh, of the Bandits after the game. Win or lose, Dawa came through with, with the pizza, and we need to, to make sure that people know that as well. It's huge. Look good. But, yeah, tough one for Tri. I mean, one goal in the, the, the first quarter, one in the second, only two in the third, and then they woke up in the fourth, but it was just too big of a hill to climb against a good team like Buffalo. So they're off to the finals. They will take on the winner of San Diego and Colorado. Because the San Diego Seals force a game number three. As I just, I'm looking down at my phone as I'm talking here, and a San Diego Seal is literally texting me while I'm talking here. We're going to talk to Dane Doby about it quite a bit, but how about it here from San Diego? Gut check time. They go on the road. Audie Stotts puts up five. Liger had a sock trick there. Man, were they ever flying in Ball Arena, the socks there. But Dane Doby once again. Like, fine wine here, in overtime, over the shoulder, gets the winner and puts the Seals back to San Diego to take on the Mammoth in Game 3 now. What a performance from him and and, and Audie, and just a gutsy win there from San Diego. And, like, what are you supposed to do as a defense when both Austin Stotts and Dane Doby are, like, firing on all cylinders? Tough to beat. Tough to beat. Like, and just speaking to that Dobie, the overtime winner again, like what do you even say? He gets around one defenseman and then <laughs> it in a, a situation where it, it looks like he's falling forward. Like in any situation there, I'm pre- I can confidently say any player that's falling like that is just trying to reach around the goalie's legs, yeah. which is what I would imagine Dylan Ward was anticipating. And then he's not even in a step. It's it's that's got to be such an uncomfortable position to throw a backhand. He just well, suddenly, you know you're gonna take a dirt nap as soon as you throw it, right? One hundred percent. And I, <laughs> and it's so funny as well that as soon as that goes in the back of the net, there's without even a thought, just gets up and runs. He's just like, all right, boys, let's Down get back the on the plane Bo and get Jackson out of here. Jackson style, yeah. So funny. Yeah. And <laughs> there was this little look. I'm so curious. Like the camera stays on him when he goes down the tunnel ever so slightly to the point where you can just sort of see the silhouette of Dane Doby and Brody Merrill is the one that goes behind him. And right then you see Doby turn and, and like he's speaking with, with Brody Merrill for a minute. And I'm so curious to know what that conversation oh, was. Man. Well, truth be told, we just finished recording Dane Doby and you forgot to ask him that. Should have asked it. Just popped in my head right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, tough one. Uh, Frankie and Dylan were both, really good in this game, even though it was 11-10 final, both those guys played really well. And you think about it here for San Diego to, to get 11 and get nothing in the goal department from Westberg, Brett Hickey, uh, some guys had quiet nights, no goals from Noble. Greer had two. 
But if San Diego can do that and then all of a sudden get some some production from a couple of those other guys, that they're going to be a tough out here for Colorado, especially playing at home. Yeah, and I think that we're probably going to be seeing, I would say, more, like a tighter game in, in game three. But just in general, like if you look over at Colorado, the third quarter was the only one that that Liger didn't score in. He and he got every single goal for them for them throughout the game, excluding the four goals that Colorado scores in the fourth quarter. So I think they're also looking at this as well. Like, okay, he scores six of our goals in on seven of them. yeah, in on seven of them, and only one quarter is where there's a little bit of spread on offense. If we can dial that in a little bit, I'm I'm sure Colorado is also saying, okay, we like our chances just as much as San Diego is saying, okay, if we can get our righties involved a little bit more, we also like our chances. So it's shaping up. Game three is going to be unbelievable. I can't wait. Uh, It's going to be a one goal game. Don't be surprised if this thing goes to overtime either. Like it's coming, it's coming down to the final possession. It's got to. Yeah. I don't know what else you can say there. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't have to say anything else, Tino. What you do have to do is throw on your uh, Stetson, pull on a pair of Wranglers, cinch up your belt bucket, cowboy, because we're heading for the Stampede Stallion stables. <laughs> come on one more time tino go that's better than brad i mean it's pathetic but it's still it's it's still better than challenger so as a as a fan of the show yeah it took me so long to figure out if like is this a sound bite or are they making horse noises i love that i love to hear that i absolutely do uh stampede stables is where we are and well the stables are brought to you by stampede tack of course uh we mentioned don aldred the big winner who you got so we don't need to to go over that again but uh we can talk about hats because a good hat is like a personal business card for cowboys type of hat you wear says a lot about you tino and at stampede tack they have a huge selection of hats Traditional cowboy hats, of course, from iconic brands such as Stetson or Restall. Oil skin hats by the Outback Trading Company. They offer a wide selection of ball caps and toques. He said beanies. I switched it to toques because we're in Canada. From Carhartt and pretty much everything for anyone. Next time you're thinking about adding a hat to your collection, drop by Stampede Tack out there in Cloverdale, 1966 corner of highway 10 and 180th or you can shop online because it's still shopping local at stampede.ca got a cowboy hat tino uh i used to i used to have uh like a fake i think it was sort of like a plastic party hat but uh in that the many moves count. that does not count time to head out to stampede tack in western for some reason they yanked the the rodeo again this year i knew they were like they shut down the grandstand or something because they said it wasn't safe to actually hold the rodeo, but I thought they were still going to hold the fair and the longhorn and all that was still going to be nothing on the long weekend. Pretty disappointing. And uh, I think it's all political BS going on out there in Surrey as well. Some people pulling some strings out there. Not too happy about it. Anyways, let's get off the rodeo and get on to our stallions here, Tino. I will let you go first being the new guy here. Wow. What an honor. Uh, I'm going to take the, uh, the easy way out. I think 
arguably one of the MVPs of the season, certainly going to be in, in, uh, in discussion for it. 51 shots against got in front of 42 of them. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Vince. This guy's ridiculous, Tino. It's the ageless wonder. It's absurd. It is honestly ridiculous what what Vino is doing. 39 years old. I think he's ready to, to turn 40 any day sort of thing. I tell, Are you giving your vote for goaltender of the year to Matt Vince? Because he's winning num- number eight. Like he's going to win his eighth goaltender of the year this year. He's in the finals again and a chance to win his fourth championship. I the more I start thinking about Del Bianco's tweet about Matt Vince being the GOAT of all time in the NLL, he's almost there now, and he like he can play another four years. At least. At least. So some, Something that I've come to appreciate as well is watching him after Buffalo has had a, a goal scored against or – or in a, in a game where he's maybe not necessarily having his best outing or whatever, he, he never really looks rattled. Everything is always, it's the, the same expression, right? Whether or not Buffalo is in the lead by a ton, or if it's a close game, or if he's not having a great game, he's calm and composed. And when being a goaltender is such a mental position, I, I appreciate that so much. I, I would love to pick his brain about that. Yeah, we'll get him. We'll try and maybe get him on here for the summer. But you think about like how many minutes, how many saves, how many goals have gone past him, how many practices he's been a part of. Like it all just must feel like, yeah, you know, like I don't think there's a moment that's going to rattle Matt Vince ever. Because he's been through it and done it all, seen it all, overtimes, championships. And maybe that's the key to it, is that he is just so seasoned and experienced that the moment never gets too big. And he just has that continual drive and focus to want to stop everything that comes his way. Yeah, and and you also, you got to imagine he's still thinking about you know, the 2019 finals sure. where, where Reese Dutch got the, you know, the game winner against him. I would imagine that's still replaying in his head. He wants his redemption. So they, they booked their ticket. They sure did. They'll take on either Colorado or San Diego. And I'm going San Diego because they won the game over Colorado. So I got to pick a seal here. Not that I didn't want to, but I'm going to pick a seal for my stallion of the week. And I, I was looking offense. He got Doby there with the OT winner. We got him on as a guest. That was way too of a, an easy out there. Audi five pack. Yes, uh, we kind of come to expect that from one Austin Stotts. But I'm going to go local here and go with defender Drew Belgrave, who happens to wear my favorite number two. And a tidy little one shot on goal, six loose balls, a block, and a cause turnover. But I don't really think that tells the whole tale for what Drew Belgrave brings to the table in an entire 60-minute effort in a game. He is so aggressive. Like, he is never in fear of getting beat one-on-one because he can recover from center. And getting the ball out of his own zone, he... Throw him out there shift after shift after shift, and he's taking on big matchups. And I just love the aggressive nature of his game. And he's only going to get better. Still young is Drew Belgrave, and and I'm becoming more and more of a fan of him. Yeah, just just an athlete. And like you said, able to recover from center. Just 
there's not a lot to dislike about his game, if anything. And, you know, they throw the block on there as well on the stat line in a playoff game, throwing your body on the line when losing, you're done that, that one block, if, if he doesn't get in the way of that, maybe that's the difference. Like who knows? So any of these guys that are blocking shots in a lacrosse game, when the ball is coming, you know, it could be if you're at your feet, it could be at your head, it could be your throat. Like who knows the, to be able to jump in and throw your body on the line in one of these situations is, is so brave. So uh, bell grave maybe rhymes a little bit with brave there you know, ah, not bad. reaching for it but not bad. and to be able to learn from a couple of guys like merrill and holding that that's only going to serve him really well in his future i know they love Belgrave there in san diego and we love him here as well as he and matt vince join the ever-growing stable of stallions Belgrave. Vino, Vince, you are this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. Welcome to the stable. Let's take a break here on EP 185, Tino, and let's talk to number 92 of the Buffalo Bandits. Dane Smith on the other side. Keep it right here. Lax Class back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to the Cross Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to the Lax Class as we move into quarter number two here on EP 185. But not before I tell you about our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com, that's where you can find them. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family owned. Over 40 years of experience down there in Coquitlam. Need a label, need a package. You go to Associated Labels and Packaging. As we welcome back to the podcast, number 92 of the Buffalo Bandits. He is the... First and only black MVP of the National Lacrosse League. And good chance he could pick up number two this year as well. Dane Smith back on Lax Class. Daner, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure as I uh, fly solo with you here for this one. And looking forward to this conversation. And let's get this out of the way right off the bat here, Dane. Because I've been kind of talking about this. And, and I'm sure you've kind of put it in the rearview mirror, and rightly so. But I want to talk about the record. And, and getting so close with one game to go and, and coming up a little bit short on that. And we talked to Chugger, and, and he said, you know, that's not something. It would bother him, but he doesn't think it was something that would bother you. And now that you're into the to the finals here, I, I'm sure that's kind of long gone your memory. But how tough was that for you? I know the boys were kind of trying to feed you on that last game and, and get you there. But how difficult was that to kind of overcome and, and look forward? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely tough. It was obviously on my mind. Um, there was a lot of talk around it. And I'm the type of person that just doesn't like to focus on that stuff. I like to just play my game. But unfortunately not, it was in the back of my head. And again, all the players were just trying to be like, okay, we're going to feed you. We're going to do all this stuff. And I think I was just gripping my stick too tight. Uh, I don't know when the last time I, I kind of went uh, <laughs> yeah. donut. Yeah. And, You'd have to look back a ways to find that, wouldn't you? Right. So uh, it was just one of those games that nothing was going right for me. And um, at the end of the day, it, 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 I think I was just more frustrated with how I kind of um, went about everything. Um, I mean, 
I was struggling in the game and I wasn't just doing the little things. I was quiet on the bench. I wasn't leading by example. I'm usually talking uh, quite a bit uh, to my teammates and stuff like that. And uh, I take pride in that. I'm a leader on the team. So I was just more frustrated in that point. At the end of the day, <laughs> I already have the record, so it wasn't a big deal at all. It's pretty cool that uh, this year I was able to get the assist record. So now I, I do own all three. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, what matters most is kind of winning um, this championship that's ahead that we have a great opportunity at. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, let's, I mean, maybe you've taken that experience and learned that lesson that that's not really what it's about. And, you know, it's been championship or bust here for, for Buffalo for the last number of years. I know we had a couple of years off there, but you guys come close in 2019 and you're going to get another crack at it here with the Bandits. And, and it's not been an easy road. That series against Toronto was, I know it was a, a two-game sweep, but... That's about as close as you can get. And, and what a battle that was over those two games with Toronto Rock. Oh, yeah. It was, they're a great team. We knew it was going to be a battle. We knew we had, to get, we had to get that first one. And obviously, as you saw, it came to the wire the first game as well. Um, obviously, going up one zip, we, we, our mentality going into the second game was it was a do or die for us too because we didn't want to give them momentum coming back to Buffalo uh, obviously it's nice to play in Buffalo. That's an advantage as it is. But that being said, we didn't want to give them any sniff at it. And I thought we played well. Our defense played unbelievable in the first half and even three quarters, to be honest. Um, they obviously, we, we only could play defense for so long and uh, I'm sure they were gassed and they're, and obviously the tr- gives the Toronto Rock the credit for turning it on. Um, offensively, I feel like we played a very good game. Nick Rose is an unbelievable goalie. He stood on his head. And uh, we, we buried when it mattered. But, um, again, that, that's a team that um, it's a huge rivalry. We don't like them. They don't like us. And we knew it was going to be a battle. And fortunately enough, we, we came out on top. It always makes for good lacrosse when two teams don't like each other. And you guys, you guys have a pretty good goalie on, on your side as well. And, and <laughs> after that, <laughs> I know it's hard to say that with a straight face. After that 18-17 victory, you kind of felt like there was no way that was going to happen two times in a row with – two quality defenses, two really exceptional goaltenders. And I think game two kind of got back to what most people expected between those two clubs. Yeah, most definitely. I, I feel like uh, the past two series, to be honest, um, we, we've played the arguably two of the top three goalies in the league. Um, obviously, we have one of them as well. But um, obviously, with Dougie James in the first game, we I yeah. feel like we were peppering him and he played – unbelievable for them and um it was only a time uh time when we were going to break out and fortunately enough it was that it was the second uh first game of the toronto rock series but we knew obviously uh it wasn't going to be that high scoring in the third game and um luckily enough we we got it as many as we needed but again uh, we got to give them credit they they came with a good game plan and um it, it was definitely not easy well, let, let's stick with Vino here for a second, because this guy is absolutely ridiculous, Dane. What he is doing at 39, it, it seemingly looks to me like he is getting better the older that he gets, and that's hard to fathom. I know he's got a great team in front of him, but you guys aren't where you're at without 48 in the lineup, and, and just talk about the job that he's done for the Bandits. Yeah, it's been incredible. Like, obviously, when we there's talks that we we're going to get him, we want we are a good we are a good lacrosse team at that time. We are gonna we are a playoff lacrosse team. We're good. Um, he made us great. He made us over that edge, and 
um, it's gone to show and every year we've had him, we've uh, made a kind of a run and he's, uh, he's our backbone of our team. Obviously he, he brings that leadership as well. He doesn't talk much, but when he does, we're like, Oh my goodness, let's, let's listen. Obviously he he's won championships. He's done it at every level. Um, it's one of those guys that you respect so much and it's great to have him on our side. And what makes him the best goalie in the league is he plays better in bigger games. We knew obviously it wasn't his best game, but it was good enough to uh, the first game against Toronto. And we knew he was just going to come out and be unbelievable. And that's exactly what he did. Here with Dane Smith of the Buffalo Bandits. And I would say your, your personality has kind of blossomed over the last few years here, Dane, when you first came in, you weren't really outspoken, um, kind of putting yourself out there, but now you have really become a face of the national lacrosse league, a, a beacon, a light to shine and, and a real inspiration to a lot of kids around that are young lacrosse players. How have you been able to kind of embrace that role being a superstar in this league and, and being a voice that people want to and, and can listen to. Yeah. I mean, I've always been known as a shy guy for the most part, unless you you've known me or have been in the locker room and stuff like that. I'm a soft spoken guy. I I don't like talking about my feelings or anything like that. And um, it's one of those things that as you grow up, you, you become more of a leader, whether it be on the floor or off the floor and it's one of those things that you want to use your platform to your advantage. I have thousands of people following me on social media and stuff like that. And that was my my first way to kind of um, speak up on that platform and uh, people listen. And um, obviously, I want to do it outside of that as well. But it was the easiest way to do, it, do so at first because, again, you could almost hide behind your phone. But yeah. use, your, use your platform to your advantage and then... As I've gotten older, I've I've kind of come to realize that people do want to hear what I have to say, and people um, do look up to me. And it, even though it's hard for me at sometimes, it's one of those things that's important. Well, you've been doing a fast, fantastic job with it, Dane. Is there is there some guys around the club, either on the Bandits or on the Chaos, maybe that have kind of helped you along with that? Like, have you learned from maybe some older pros that have kind of shown you the way? Yeah, I mean, I've had so many great people around me. I mean, you look at my my first year in Buffalo. I had uh, John Tavares playing dad, with dad. Dad, I saw you wish dad uh, congratulations getting into the to the Hall of Fame there. Yeah, which is incredible. <laughs> I had Mark Steinhaus, obviously Billy D. I had um, Giles, who now plays coaches for Rochester. Yeah. Kolesky, who coaches for uh, Dallas. Uh, Sean Williams, who's now the GM for... I just had so many great people around me, obviously, playing my first year in chaos. Brody Merrill. Um, I've played with Brody as well. And just so many great people. Uh, played with Dan Dawson in the Man Cup. Um, just all these guys that I looked up to growing up. And you, you, you watch them carry themselves throughout their career and why they've gotten where they are today. It's one of those things that I've looked up to and I, I want to kind of follow those footsteps. I obviously want to bring up the Buffalo survivors fund, Dane, and, and you kind of spearheaded this. And, and I know, you know, there was Buffalo bills and sabers and bandits all kind of turned up for this, but, uh, and a bunch of people have hopped on board with matching your donations, 50 bucks for every bandits goal. I know you're auctioning off a stick and some gloves, but you've really, you've really made Buffalo your home. And in turn, Buffalo has embraced you and, and kind of made you one of their own as well. 
just talk about your relationship with with the city of Buffalo and and the Buffalo Survivors Fund, how people can get involved with this and how how much it means to you. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing for Buffalo for nine, ten years now, and um, I've always wanted to do something to kind of give back. Um, Unfortunately, this is the reason it came up with with those victims that passed away um, due to the racial um, attack. And um, that really hit home to me. Um, Buffalo has done an unbelievable year, uh, not year, unbelievable job of supporting me throughout my career. And I wanted to give back to the best of my ability. Um, Obviously, being a black athlete in a primarily white sport, it's kind of hit home even more. Um, Those kids obviously looked up to me and and um, I want to kind of show them that they can kind of get to the highest level, whether whatever uh, you look like or whatever it is may be. Um, and for me, it it's tough. It, um, when that kind of incident happened, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, if I was in that grocery store, I'd be one of those guys being targeted. And yeah. it's so sad that uh, that's what the world is at right now. But um, one of the things I wanted to do was give back to the best of my ability. Unfortunately, <laughs> lacrosse players don't get paid the most, but I knew I wanted to do something. And that one thing was obviously give um, money to those uh, families. And uh, I'm always been different. So I wanted to kind of do it differently instead of doing just straight money. I wanted to do per goal. I was hoping that we were going to score a lot more. Um, but I should have known better, obviously, after the first game. Um, that being said, yes, I. so we have a donation going um, where you can donate, honestly, anything. And, and I just want to thank everybody that has showed their support. There's been so many people that have matched. I think we're well over $15,000, which is amazing. incredible. Yeah. And then also uh, donated, like you said, uh, my lacrosse stick. Um, my game-worn gloves and my, uh, my shoes, and some of my teammates have done the same um, as far as they've donated those things. You can auction, they're in an auction right now. So um, I know it's not a lot, but again, uh, we want to kind of give back to this community because they've given back so much to us, and we want to put a smile on at least one person's face maybe a day. And um, I plan on doing so much more, but um, that's what we have so far. Yeah, no, it's incredible, Dane. And, and you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement kind of started, you were at the forefront of that. And, and I think it's a subject and a topic that needs to kind of be continually talked about. We didn't, you don't have to look too far back to just Nazem Qadri and, and the Colorado Avalanche and the threats and stuff that his wife was getting on Instagram and stuff. And it just it's out there. And it's ugly, and and people need to be aware of it. And and when they see it, they need to speak out on it. How how can we? I guess how can I, as a, as a white person, help the cause, help the fight, and and end this bullshit that you know these these trolls and scumbags that continually rear their ugly head and and spit out hate and racism. How can I, as a person, or how can we collectively? help the cause of black lives matter. Yeah. I mean, uh, learn, ask questions because even to this day, I don't know everything about black history and I've, I'm learning stuff, but, um, it's just coming together as a group because, um, there might be something said that somebody says and you kind of hear it and you just have to approach that person and, uh, be confident in that and tell them that's not the right thing to do. And those little things are going to add up because at the end of the day, um, I went through a lot uh, growing up, um, obviously playing hockey, lacrosse, all these sports, and it was definitely tough. But 
what I told the guys, I, I had a speech before the game, uh, the first game in Toronto when all this st- stuff happened. Um, I told them a little bit about my past, but what I, my big thing was uh, for the next generation, I know eventually I'm going to have kids and I don't want them to go through what I, I, I'm going through or anything like that. So we need, do need change and uh, just to learn and, and listen and, and speak up when you do hear something. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, because I think there's going to be the people out there that know what they're saying is wrong, and they're going to say it anyways. But it's the people that may say something jokingly or not really realize that they're saying something stupid. So the, the, the thing is to just make them aware of it. Say, hey, like, that's not okay. Don't do that. Don't say that. That's not cool anymore. Or what? Not that it ever was cool, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you just have to kind of call people out and make them aware that that's not okay. Most definitely, because uh, I know growing up, there's things that my, my friends said to me, and like I would, ju- I would like kind of laugh it off just, but or, it hurt, or laugh right? Then, like, get- it hurt. Right. And not, and sometimes I didn't even know like it was wrong because I was so young at the time. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, like I should have said something or, or all this stuff. So like, that's the biggest thing, like you said, is we, we just need to speak up. Yeah, absolutely. Here with Dane Smith, Buffalo Bandits, Chaos Lacrosse Club as well. Maybe we'll touch on the chaos. I know it was, uh, the Chiefs home opener last night, bread and cheese day, which is always a, a huge day there on six nations and some, shenanigans going on around uh the ila last night i'm glad they they got the game off and and were able to play it but dane uh with the pll kind of restricting players from playing in in the cla during the summer i don't think it's going to be a tough choice for you being the defending champs with the chaos and and having another good look at it here but we'll kind of put buffalo aside here for a sec and and turn your attention to the chaos and how forward you are looking for uh, another summer in the pll and and defending your title yeah, I mean, it's been tough because obviously with everything going on, you you have to pick or choose, which which is is tough. I mean, luckily enough, I've, I've won a man cup. That being said, obviously, you, you want to win as many as you possibly can. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where you kind of saw um, it during COVID where they had younger players playing in, in the senior league. And I really enjoyed watching that because you saw those guys actually get to play and right. develop. Uh, know what it kind of takes kind of like it kind of remind me of a development league to kind of get to the next step to the NLL which which I find is awesome so for myself not playing um, is I I do it does suck but that being said I I do enjoy seeing these younger guys kind of get a chance at playing that and um, I'm looking forward to obviously playing with the chaos I'm very excited about it I'm kind of (laughs) Lucky that I get a missed training camp for the first time, and uh, that's what it's gonna be nice on my body at least. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the challenge. I, I think I've grown as a, a field lacrosse player, uh, I do enjoy it a lot more, and um, we're looking to c- kind of try to make a back to back. I know we've picked up some, uh, some a lot of great pieces like Dehogan, uh, Dehoga <laughs> and uh, Alan Rogers, yeah. which are two guys that will be <laughs> like. Like that could be MVPs in our league. Yeah. So like, it's crazy to see that we both, we had them both on our team and they're going to fit into our offense just like that. So um, again, I'm excited to get back with that group, but obviously right now I'm, f- I'm focusing on the bandits. Sure. And let, I mean, let's stay on Dehoga here for a second. I call him the chosen one, Dane, uh, for the TN one. 
And this kid is electric, man. Like for a rookie year, the sky is the limit for him. But you've had a, you know, you you've had to kind of learn how to play with him, and he's had to learn how to play with you. And let's throw Bucky into the mix as well on on that right side. Obviously, a really successful year for you guys, but that that does take a little bit of time to to get used to playing with new guys in 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 Nanakoke and, and Bucky. But those guys have been real good for you as well. They've been unbelievable for us all year, and um, I, I give both those guys credit. I mean, more more Dehoga because he is one of the best players I've ever played with, and he's one of those guys that like legit could come in the league and score fifty goals easily. And he's bought into our system more than anybody. Um, like his past, I don't even know much about it, but I know that he came into our our offense and our team and was like what do I need to do and he still does that continues to do that and that's why we're so successful all the players on our offense are could be top players on any team and uh, we've all bought into the system and obviously Brian Buchanan who's an older a veteran guy his his leadership's been incredible for us and he brings the energy to our offense like he picks up every loose ball for us he gives us second opportunities and for our offense that's huge and we've never had that before so uh, give credit to Steve Dietrich for bringing in those guys. Uh, how about Buck and is there anybody better in the game scoring goals from the wrong side of the floor than him? Like it just, I, he just seems to end up over there more often than not, but finds a way to get it in the back of the goal. No, it's incredible. And it's, it's fun to play with for me personally, because I have so much space now if, once he clears out to the other side, but I also have an outlet for like an easy dunk to him if he's on his offside and he actually scores those like you said so it's uh he's very fun to play with he just sometimes you can't keep track of where he's at because he's just buzzing around the whole time a couple more minutes here with dane smith uh let me bring you home to to kitch uh what's the the prospects looking like for the junior team this summer i'm trying to get some intel on who's coming out of the east uh making their way what's kitchener looking like uh, unfortunately, I don't know much about them. I need to get to a game. I've been in Buffalo for so long. Okay. But that being said, I know uh, Jordan Dance, his brother was our first overall pick, and he's an unbelievable talent. Uh, I know he's a, he's a rookie, but I, uh, he has high hopes. Uh, I know he'll be one of the top picks in the NL um, for years to come. So, like, uh, I'd watch for him. I know, he again, he's a rookie, but he's going to be standing out a lot. Okay. Um, you're doing some coaching. I know, uh, junior bandits, uh, you're going to be involved with them, I would assume. And then Buffalo getting themselves a, a college box lacrosse league team. And I think it's what it's you O'Connor and, and burner, uh, coaching this team up. How do you like coaching? Yeah, I love coaching. It's going to be one of those things where, uh, I definitely want to do outside after lacrosse and, um, I do enjoy it. I love giving back, but also like just learning from these kids, but also giving, giving back and teaching my knowledge. Um, it, it, I find it very enjoyable. It's almost like it's one of those things where you can't, you can only do so much. So it's a challenging, but it's exciting because you, you really enjoy the wins when you, you, they come, they come. So um, I really do. I am excited about it. Um, obviously this college box league will be exciting because it's these guys that definitely want to learn. And uh, there's some great athletes and talented players that maybe can make that next step to the NLL. So I'm excited to uh, learn from these guys. Um, what kind of coach guys. are you? What kind of guy are you making them run lines and do pushups? Or are you like a uh, fun kind of scrimmage kind of guy? I'm 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 laid back, but Josh is kind of a definitely on the line type guy. So okay. we have a good we've coached together for many years, so it's a good mixture. I'm I'm more laid back, 
Um, I do, I do catch myself screaming a little bit, but <laughs> that being said, it, usually with the younger group and I usually yell the same things, uh, get in the house or, yeah. or pick up the ball, those little things. But again, it, uh, I think Josh is more the hard headed one and I'm more of like, good cop, okay, back cop. I like on. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you mellow over time. It, 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 it calms down the longer you do it. Um, listen, you guys got a week off here and, and rightly so that's going to help you guys you know, with, with your fitness and, and recovery as you wait for your opponent between Colorado and San Diego who go to a game three. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Dane Smith. Do you have a preference on whether you see the Woolies or the Seals? Yeah, like, I, so I wanted to play this weekend. Um, to be honest, I just wanted to kind of get it going. Uh, coming off of bye weeks, kind of uh, one of those scary things. That being said, we're going to be prepared regardless. We're going to have practice and we're going to uh, do all the right things. Um, as far as uh, Colorado, San Diego, again, it doesn't matter. I think they're both great teams. Um, I think um, I think it's going to come – I think it's going to be another one-goal game um, when they do play. Again, I don't know who's going to come out on top, but um, we're just looking forward to playing in the finals in general, enjoying the moment, and seeing what we were made of. Well, I'm looking forward to watching you play in the finals, man. Say hi to the – to Fraz and, and Josh for me uh, back there in Buff and can't wait to, to see you guys get after it in the finals. I really appreciate your time here on Lax Class and for everything that you do for the National Lacrosse League and our sport, Dane. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the time and thanks for having me. Thank you. There he is, Dane Smith, number 92 with the Buffalo Bandits. They will take on either Colorado or San Diego in the NLL finals. Not this weekend, but the following one, and it'll all start in bandit land. we got to move to halftime here. Quarter three is coming up, and we have a member of the San Diego Seals, a former MVP in Dane Doby. It's the all-Dane episode here on Lax Class. We're back with the third quarter after this. Hey, this is Pat Coyle, head coach of the Colorado Mammoth. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. We're into second half action. Third quarter is underway, and it's brought to you by Rycor Construction. Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. They've been doing so for over 15 years. Commercial and residential, exterior, interior renovations, decking, fencing, Check them out on Instagram and Facebook, Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. This guy, I mean, it just sets up the segues every time with Rycor. This guy has been standing out for a long time in the National Lacrosse League and did so once again in overtime as he extended his San Diego Seals season. A lot of S's there. Dane Dolby back on the pod. Uh, Dobes, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you making a little time for us here on Lax Class. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Oh, my pleasure. Our pleasure. And uh, pleasure to to watch you play lacrosse. And to do it and to, to get it done there in a must-win situation for you and the Seals had to be pretty special and uh, not, a, not a bad little tuck to, to get the winner. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those ones where back was against the wall for sure. It was do or die, go home. And, uh, you know, it's I think everybody showed up to play that game. So <laughs> there's guys uh, all over the floor that had big nights um, in, in that in that game specifically. So it was uh, it was awesome getting the win and be able to go extend the season and go back to San Diego this weekend. Here. 
Uh, yeah, hey, yeah, we haven't met before. It's uh, nice to nice to. Tino did some XLL <laughs> games, uh, called the Warriors <laughs> game with me. He's you've seen him there at the old forum, Dave. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, just, I was gonna say though, there's obviously backhands are pretty common in terms of lacrosse, but not a lot of people necessarily have the confidence to pull off a shot like that, like you did last weekend. I guess I'm just wondering, like, what has happened to you throughout your career that you've gotten to the point where you're confident enough to throw off a shot like that in that situation? And also, like, when you're lining up for one of those shots, what are you reading in terms of a defense and uh, and a goalie? That's a lot. That's a lot right <laughs> there. <laughs> questions. Those are all good questions. Oh, um, my God. I don't know how many. i got to give <laughs> Tino dings here for good questions, Dane. You can't give him all good questions. I'll take it. Uh, you know, it took me probably quite a while. I was throwing, I wasn't throwing backhanders that early in my career for sure. I had to get really comfortable with it and playing lots of lacrosse. And, you know, it's once I got confident and comfortable doing it in game situations, that's when it kind of slowly started to come into my game. And, uh, but there's only certain times or certain areas where I could throw it. Do I know exactly where it's going? Not really. Do I want to put it in a certain area? Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, in the in the in the playoffs, it's it's big. You got to get to the front of the net to try and score goals, especially what's been going on right now. It's you know one penalty aside last game. Try and get to the front of the net and try and get a get the ball on the net as best as I can. Um, what's going through my head during that time is is pretty much that. Um, get to the top of the crease and try and get the ball on net and and something to beat Dylan. So he's a hell of a goalie, and there's certain angles that you can only take on him and. Well, I was just Fortunately, gonna, that is one of them. Yeah, I was just going to say, Dane, with with Dylan being a left-handed goalie, and I don't. I'm trying to like recall. You've scored you've scored a lot of backhand goals in your career, but I want to say it's been more often than not. You've you've had a number of them against Dylan, and I just wonder whether it's because maybe he holds his stick in his other hand. It could be. It could be. Dylan's an angle guy. He plays your stick. Plays where your stick is. So. Yeah. You know, it's, there's there is some goalies like that in the league, but maybe he's he's more so like that on the on the on the west side that we see more on the west coast. But you have to have a pretty perfect shot to beat him. Um, so um, we have to try and find different angles, try and find different stick angles where where I could try and beat him. And you know, thankfully it does go in once in a while for me. So um, we could talk about this. <laughs> just to just to build off Fatino's point and and being able to. Have the confidence to try these shots. But, like, coming up in, in my day, Dane, which was before yours, obviously, like, we would run stairs if we tried that crap in practice. And coaches just frowned upon it and didn't really allow guys to be creative and imaginative in practice, never mind a game. So I'm kind of wondering, you and, and Kurt Malowski, who are, you know, joined at the hip for a long, long time, did – what was he like when you were trying that stuff and practicing games back in junior and stuff? I was fortunate enough to, when I first started with mouse, I was fortunate enough to have uh billings, uh, GB. So oh, yeah, the master, he, threw, he, the master. He, he threw more, he threw more of that stuff than I did. So, um, <laughs> he was pretty incredible at it. So, but, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things that goes in. If you, if you practice at it, I'm pretty confident in it. So, um, it's, it's, it's a tough, uh, I don't know. It's kind of tough to you even talk about. You because, don't uh, do some co- it. Some coach, some, cause some coaches like are, are all for it. Eastern, Eastern, there's a lot of Eastern hands. Um, like junior used to do it all the time. Yeah. So um, I, that's what you were playing, Jake. So, yeah, yeah. and um, I don't, and I don't want to like, I don't want to spend the entire interview talking about your backhand, but I just, 
I don't know. Like, I, I think you are at a point now where you don't do it just to do it. You do it when you think that is your best opportunity to score a goal. Like, you pull it out when it needs to be pulled out. 100%. 100%. And I think, yeah, for sure. And that's it. And that's it. And I missed two on them on uh, uh, the week the for game one. I, I took two shots like that, and I missed both. So, uh, I pull it out when I can't. Got to get around a defender. A defender's playing me a certain way. And, and that's when uh, I'm putting it on net to try and hopefully it goes in. Exactly. Uh, getting back to your, your current team there, Dane, uh, Austin Stotts is a guy that plays with a lot of, a lot of raw motion and, and plays with his heart on his sleeve. Um, how do you and the rest of the team kind of feed off that emotion? And do, and do you feel like you guys kind of balance each other out a little bit? 100%. He's a gamer, like straight up gamer. So uh, I think uh, everybody in the lacrosse world, uh, has known about Austin and, and that kind of player he is um, on, on big games, played in a lot of big games in his life already as at a young, young kid. And uh, he's always rose to the occasion. So I'm very confident playing side by side with him and I'm happy and I get the pleasure to do it because uh, you know, he's teaching me a lot um, how to raise your game and, and you know, how to, how to like, it, it's wild how, how he actually brings the energy out in this, in this team. So um He's definitely uh, a magnet for us all. We all just kind of go towards him and, and and go with him. And when he gets going, uh, it seems like that's when we're playing at our best lacrosse. Yeah, just just a treat to watch Austin Stotts play lacrosse. It really is. Um, it's been a treat to watch you, Dane. And we're going to talk about Colorado and, and maybe the future beyond that. But like I was kicking it around in our chat group, I think it was, that when we're talking about the greatest now and Tavares and Grant and Doyle and Sanderson and like I'm thinking to myself why is Dane Doby why do I not talk about Dane Doby more who just passed Gary Gate for all-time playoff goals scored when you think about that Dane like I I don't know how I don't even know what I'm trying to ask you but like it's been incredible to me to just watch what you've done for as long as you've done it and there just doesn't seem to be any slowing down. So maybe I'll ask you this. How much longer do you think you can push this thing? Oh God. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's a day by day process right now, to be honest with you. And uh, um, day by day, week by week and, and see how it goes. But like, I've been fortunate enough to play in a lot of playoff games throughout my career. Like I think the games played numbers right up there, up there too. So um, I've been on some good teams and, and, and then also the, the, the playoffs have changed to two out of threes to all that kind of stuff. So um, then it was in the past and but Dan, um, just come to be on, up there. Come on. I, I think you're selling yourself short a little here and I don't expect to, anything less from you, but seriously now, like you're, you're, you gotta be in the conversation when you're up there around those names, regardless of those things that you just said, you're in the conversation now. And that's, that's amazing to, to see that. And especially for a guy at your size to, to accomplish what you've done. Like, I, I think you need to take a little step back and appreciate that. I appreciate that Jumbo. I appreciate that, but <laughs> I, I really do. And you know, it's, I'm old, man. I'm old. I'm getting old. <laughs> Great players. And, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to fall and there's a lot of great players in this lacrosse in this league right now. So um, it's just awesome to be a part of. And those names up there, I looked up to all of them. So, um, and watched them play my whole life. So it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of that group. 
I'm just wondering when you came over to San Diego, you, you joined a team with a, with a few familiar faces and guys like Westberg and Frank Shiliano. Um, when you did arrive in San Diego and started playing games, how did that help your comfortability um, with being able to get rolling right off the bat? Yeah, it's uh, I think we had a month together there. It was definitely, uh, definitely different, obviously going to a, um, a sunny training camp and uh a different uh, arena and all that different facilities, different management and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was open arms there and it was awesome to get there. And I knew a lot of those guys and the, the lacrosse world's so small, right? So I knew a lot of those players and talked to a lot of those players prior to, or coached a lot of those players or um, played with them in the summer. So I knew what they're all about. I knew about their, you know, and it was, it was fun getting down there and being able to practice with them and, uh, and build this team. And I had 100% complete trust in that coaching staff there. So, it was pretty easy uh, transition, to be honest with you, for how long I was with one organization. Can I ask you as well about what that that outdoor box is like there? Because all the pictures and videos I've seen, like it looks so scenic and just just unreal. What's it like to practice? Yeah, it's real. It's nice. It's nice. It depends what time you practice at. If you're practicing at noon, it's going to be scorching hot. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're a very fair, uh, fair skinned, uh, fair skinned guy too, Dan. You got to be careful. Yeah, I don't mind. Guy. I don't mind the AC kicked on during a nice practice. I'll tell you that. So, but it's it's beautiful. You're outside in the sun. You're you, it's it's just it's just nice. It's it's di- it's a different vibe. And um, it's like the boxes out west, but instead of rain, it's sunny. Instead of asphalt, there's turf. Oh. Uh, speaking of beautiful, I I kind of cross paths with you up at beautiful beautiful Monday park with your beautiful family out for a nice morning walk on a Sunday. And it was, you know, the, the Friday game after game one. And, and we just kind of had a quick chat, but I, I said on the following week's podcast, how like you just exuded confidence to me. And I was like, San Diego's going to win that game. And we're going, going to game number three. And, and I don't, you tell me, is that just, do you have that belief and that confidence in you and your team because you've kind of been through so many of these situations before that you know what it takes to, to get it done? Yeah, and <laughs> for sure. Like, the confidence part of it is is believing. And and this group is like anybody who's going to tell you at any stage right now on any team probably is that they believe in their group and they believe they can win a championship. And right now we're just pl- we're just plucking away. And, and, you know, like Denver's a hell of a team, but – we just believe if we put it all together and uh, we go in there confident and we're going to be tough to beat at home. And that that's kind of the, hopefully we, that's kind of our belief right now. And, and uh, we'll see how that goes, but I'm, I'm confident in our group for sure. Um, I know another guy that's confident on that team and that's Brody Merrill. And I know it's kind of been, you know, it hasn't been out there publicly like your mantra or anything, but I know that feeling has got to be in the room to get one for Brody. Talk about what, what this guy, your captain, means to the team and, and how bad you guys want it for him. Yeah, like what a competitor and how he's kind of uh, been the figure of, uh, you know, the mentor and uh, and the veteran for, for this team and the the true leader. So um, the guys go with Brody, and when Brody talks, it's <laughs> – it's uh, it's all ears for sure, but what he just means to the game of lacrosse for sure in, in the NLL, like he's played so many years and all over the place, and been captains all over the place. So he deserves. I'm one. happy. Yeah, he deserves one. But I'm just I'm just grateful right now to be honest with you to be going through this uh, this whole uh, last kick at it. You know, being able to be a part of it, and and it's well. Hopefully, we can turn it into something really special here, and that's what we're kind of aiming for. And um, but. 
just it, once you start thinking too far ahead like that, then it just you got to wheel it right back. And we just got to worry about Saturday at home well, um, when we go home and, and and play them and take care of that. First. Yeah, well, let's let's look ahead here, and that's that's I think you said a key thing there, Dean, is the fact that you're going home to play that game three at Pachanga Arena, and and that's got to be a comforting feeling, and 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 a place that you guys have had some good success at, and you're going to kind of need all the amenities and the crowd and everything else to, to kind of get the job done at playing at home in Pechanga arena. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's, uh, that was goal. One of the season is to try and get first place in the West. And, and this is the reasoning for it. So hopefully we could take advantage of this. It's always more comfortable going home for sure. Eating the, eating the restaurants that you know, and you're most comfortable with and, what is the go-to down there? What it, what do you what are you after when you go down to San Diego? We we've we've switched a few times. I go to Nona's though, Italian place about half a mile from the hotel, so not even little nice chick- little walk and uh, just get some Italian or, food. Yeah, oh, you swell, okay. Yeah, chicken farm, chicken farm, or some seafood pasta. One of the two. Okay. That's how I'm feeling that day. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we won't keep you any more of your time. We are always appreciate when uh, you spend a little with it with us here on Lax Class. Uh, it's much appreciated. Best of luck with you and the Seals. Uh, trying to make those finals, man. Good luck. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. It's fun. It is fun. Dane Dolby, fun player to watch as well. You can check him out Saturday night, Pachanga Arena, Game 3. It's the only game on the docket. The winner takes on the Buffalo Bandits. We're coming back with quarter number four. Evan Schemenauer rejoins the pods, and we got Lax Glass Locks on the other side. Keep it right here. EP 185, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Mike Poulin, goaltender for the Georgia Swarm. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores! Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring! They can taste it! Listen to this place again! You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queens Park brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. Before he was even drafted into the WLA, a young two-way stud named Jordy Dean already had 40 games under his belt as a call-up from the junior Adnax. In fact, the Bellies even added the 20-year-old to their roster at the 1980 Man Cup before officially drafting him in 82. Over the next 16 seasons, all with New West, Dean was the classic example of the two-way player, combining outstanding D prowess with a powerful presence on offense. During his phenomenal senior career, Jordy played in 53 Man Cup games over nine series, winning the Cup three times. Jordy was also ranked as one of Canada's top midfielders, joining the Canadian national field across team in 85. A two-time Man Cup MVP, three-time WLA MVP, and 10-time league All-Star, a newspaper reporter once crowned him King Jordy, well, all hail. Join us for stories like this all summer long as we celebrate the tradition that is Salmon Bellies Lacrosse. It continues next week, finally, June 2nd, the Salmon Bellies take on the Burnaby Lakers. Tickets and info at SalmonBellies.com. There you go, Kings of Queens Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. And like I mentioned, Brad on the limp this week, but uh, still found time to get the Kings of Queens Park together and nicely done, I must say, as, well, I, I'm i lucky 
because when I got traded to the bellies, give me the harp music, Tino, flashing back to 1996, walk into the bellies dressing room, and the lone stall open was beside one number five, Jordy Dean. And I didn't really know Jordy. Both uh, grew up in Coquitlam, but didn't really know Jordy all that well and just tried to soak in as much knowledge as he was willing to share with me. Fortunately, it didn't translate into a whole lot of success on the floor for me. But for him, well, you just heard the resume ran down there. He did it all in a Bellies uniform. And I must say, you know, back in the, the glory days of the Bellies with the high socks and the short shorts and all that, Jordy Dean was one guy that looked good in all of that. Just when I think Salmon Belly and I close my eyes and I think Salmon Belly, Number five, the king, Jordy Dean, comes to mind. Yeah, you might be a little young there, Tino, but uh, did you ever get a chance to watch Jordy Dean ball out at Queens Park Arena? No, it was it was before my time, uh, but I was I was doing some reading on it last night, and the thing that stood out to me, I don't know, maybe maybe the most is I, I'm shocked that he had his number retired in Coquitlam and New West. Those are two organizations junior junior belly or junior adnex retired his jersey but not still yeah. those are two either way <laughs> they they've battled so much like yeah. a, a new west and coquitlam all over they've they've battled so much and at least when i was growing up like that was a big rivalry I, that's I'm the just... rivalry older than dirt tino that's how i refer to the bellies and adnex when i kick off a broadcast between those two teams and listen jordy he was you know really kind of a renaissance man from that generation where everybody played kind of transition three lines, all that Jordy really epitomized what it was to be a complete lacrosse player, power play, short man, ball team, regular shift on O regular shift on D the man would rifle passes at you. Like he was shooting the ball in practice because that's how he wanted passes thrown to him in the heat of the battle. And, and he, every single night practiced just as hard as he played. And I think that really helped him to his success. And he was a, a junior guy that was being called up to senior lacrosse in his like infancy, even off to a man cup in, in 80 as like a second year junior player. That's how good, Jordy Dean was over 1400 you heard it all there you don't get the handle the king without being pretty good at lacrosse uh, Kings of Queens Park Jordy Dean this week just exceptional absolutely exceptional Evan you're back on the pod what's going on man you got a Jordy Dean story I wish I that's for my time as well yeah. so. well what else is going on how was the May long weekend got some yard work done Got a little bit of work done. Relax most of it for a change. You know, it's been a busy two months at work. So, you know, a good time just to get away from things good. for a bit. Well, good for you. You need a little more of that in your life. Uh, how about that? We didn't talk about this throughout the the opening of the program. Well, I kind of mentioned it. Bread and cheese night in Six Nations last night. And it was supposed to be the big kickoff for major series lacrosse between the Chiefs and the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club, and what a shit show this was last night, Evan. It is, although I guess, you know, 
different people have different opinions where to lay the blame on this one. And I, I go back to this, and that is there was a dispute. There was a dispute resolution process. It was followed. And it, it's not like this dispute resolution process was a week ago. It was several months ago at this stage. And you've got a league who is struggling. Let's put it up, be honest. Like there's one team that is doing well financially in that league. They need to draw support. They need to draw fans. And here's an opportunity to actually add a team. And for whatever reason, they don't want to do it. It doesn't shock me that the OLA won't assign referees. You know, they're not licensed. They're not recognized anymore. They're not insured anymore. I'm shocked NLL players are even playing well, in this listen, at the moment. I, I have it from pretty good authority that the OLA agreed to sanction this exhibition game, knowing that it was bread and cheese night in six nations and how important that game is to the community. And then just didn't send any refs and the game didn't get streamed either, which was really unfortunate, but I believe that, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus here, but there's a reason that no junior games have been streamed from ILA at this season. There was a really bad storm there a few weeks ago. Apparently it knocked over a cell phone tower and they have not had the strength or capacity to stream games there, which they knew for junior, but apparently nobody went to check for the MSL. And then everybody's got egg on their face right before face-off with no stream and no officials. We need to get past this because it's making our sport as a whole look like a joke. And and enough. Like, enough. And I get where Brampton is coming from. They they want their team back. And I get where Owen Sound's coming from. He thinks he owns this thing, and, and he quite very well might. And he's not prepared just to give a team that he's invested a half a million dollars in back to the city of Brampton because they want it back. And Brampton doesn't want to pay for a team back because they think they still own a team. And players in Brampton don't want to go play in Owen Sound. And figure this out because it's stupid. Evan, I didn't even want to talk about this. Now you got me all fired up. <laughs> well, but the thing is, it's important. It's one of the most important things right now. This is supposed to be our top tier box lacrosse in the summer. One side of the country's got to figure it out right now. One doesn't. And it's it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. That is the word. And we could be looking at a situation where the Shamrocks and Thunder are playing for the Man Cup this year because the MSL can't put a put a team in the Man Cup right now because they've pissed off the OLA and the OLA belongs to the CLA and the CLA owns the Man Cup. Or Brampton gets in by default. They don't have a team, Evan. There's no play. There's no roster. There's no, there's nothing there. They want Owen Sound's team back in Brampton, and they're not mm -hmm. giving it to them. And the o, the MSL isn't going to make them, and the OLA can't make the MSL do it. Well, absolutely they could. They're the governing body. They're the oversight they of this whole thing. They don't seem to care. They don't care. Okay, but I mean... You saw Chris Bushy's tweet this morning. Yes, and I couldn't yeah. agree with it more, quite frankly. Well, and it gets to one point, and that is you've got a very imbalanced league there right now. You've got, you know, I said, two to three teams that are paying players. The other ones can't afford to. You've got to change the on the whole focus of this league right now to allow for a competitive 
Peterborough winning every year because they can afford to. Well, it's good for the Peterborough Lakers. It's not good for the league. Uh, now's the There's time. a whole bunch of things. Now is the time to change. Out. And now is the time to make the change. If, right? if it's if it's an amateur league, then it's an amateur league. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it is. So, I, I like I, again, I just want all this to be over with. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it just goes around in circles. That's all it does. No, we're right. No, we're right. No, it's our team. No, it's our team. I, what <laughs> happened last night with no referees showing up to this game with no stream on Bread and Cheese Day and Six Nations pissed me off. Well, and the fact of the matter is, as much as the PLL is requiring you either play for us or you don't, getting a $25,000 paycheck and not having to deal with this nonsense is a pretty good alternative well, right listen, now. Well, listen, yeah, but I mean, Randy Stats. Curtis Dixon, Jesse King. Well, Randy Sass was playing one game. He's going back to, to the PLL right now. Okay. Fact remains, there's guys that are making the decision to stay, too. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, man. I just figure it out. Figure it out. It's not that difficult to figure out. Well, that's the problem, is I don't know what to believe anymore, either. And, and almost on the daily, my attitude and opinion flip-flops from Brampton to Owen Sound to MSL to OLA. Like, I just figure this shit out and let's play some goddamn lacrosse. Well, I'll tell you this. I stopped caring to the point. I've already started to focus on A, expansion draft, and B, let's hope that we got an NLL season next year because there's a CBA that's expiring. Tino, before we get to uh, Lax Class Lux, you got any thoughts on this whole MSL fiasco? No, I, I what what can I possibly add that you guys haven't already gone through? Just as a as someone sitting from you know the outside looking in, uh, saying it's embarrassing, saying it's a joke, it's like it, it's bang on. I, every time I read something new about it, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes. So there was like yeah. over 150 people ready to watch that game online last night. And nobody could have been bothered to see if the game was even able to be streamed out of that arena. I just, it's inexcusable, quite frankly. Okay, Lax Class Locks time. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the club, lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lax Class Locks, brought to you by CoolBet Canada. CoolBet.com. That's where you go. Hop online there, register yourself an account. Takes a couple minutes. Up in the top left-hand corner, when you go to make your first-time deposit, Put in the bonus code LAXCLASS and CoolBet, check this out, Tino, will match you up to $200 of free money. You put in $200, you get $200 free dollars. Bonus code LAXCLASS, CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Now, the good folks at CoolBet this week did us a favor, Evan. Normally, you have a little hard time parlaying the same game, never mind adding a prop bet to the parlay, but since we have three people here on on the program, 
They've made the exception, and we got a good one here for you. I, Evan, I'm just going to let you lay out the parlay this week because uh, I think this thing is going to – I know this thing is going to cash in this weekend. Well, and we were two-tenths of a second away from it cashing in last week. Uh, you know, and, and it's almost been a theme. You know, we had that one situation where Westberg scored an empty net goal, and it, it screwed one of our previous ones. But um, here's what it's going to be is first off, the prop bet that's attached is Dane Doby over under two and a half goals, and Jumbo thinks it's going to go over, so we're going that direction there. The money line on this one, I'm staying consistent. I think Colorado is the favorite. They are listed as a underdog for the third straight game. So we're taking Colorado on the money line, and Tino is going the over under here 22 and a half and i don't blame them on this one i it's they've tired one another out it's probably going under so under 22 and a half on the over under and i'm trying to remember what the heck the number was but was in the 675 you lay 20 jumbo bucks down on that sucker you're getting back a cool bet return of an even 155 evan easy money you know, he probably blew a little bit over the long weekend. You need to recoup your losses. A little action on the Lax Class Parlay, courtesy of Coolbet, and uh, you can get the bank account back in order in pretty quick fashion. Just what was it? The last time we hit one of these was a Grand Perro covered his losses for the entire year on, there you go. on one of our parlays. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Fellas, uh, another excellent program, if I do say so myself. Tino, well done on your uh, first go-around in the co-host chair. How do you feel? Feels great. Every Good. time we get to uh, chat some lacrosse with you, I'm pretty Good fired stuff. up. So. Evan, uh, bang up job as usual. To our guests, Dane Smith and Dane Doby, we appreciate their time. Our sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, Cool Bet, Rycor Construction, The Salmon Bellies. Am I missing anybody? I feel like I am. Associated Labels and Packaging, I get those guys in there. All our sponsors, we thank them so much for their continued support of the podcast and to you of course the loyal listener for checking out lax class each and every week don't forget to subscribe review give us a follow on social media as well pxp for sports at shemlax at ferratino is where you can find tino Ferra. ferratino and i think that's it thanks for listening everybody we'll be back next week every week right here on the home of lax class lacrosse flash podcast network Brevin Scheminauer and Tino Farah have been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.